0: Okay, let's go ahead and open our Bibles to Colossians chapter 3. We'll jump right in, have a ton to cover and not a lot of time to do it in. Let's stand to our feet for the reading and the hearing of God's Word. Colossians 3, 5 reads, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in, the knowledge, uh, in, in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian and Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and in all. May God bless the reading and the hearing of his word. You may be seated. So I want to dive right in. I really do have just a ton to cover today, and I'm going to try to do it as fast as I can and still be, uh, still be understandable. Just a quick overview of what we've done. We've looked at Christ being the God of the universe, the God of Scripture, the God of reality, the Creator. Christ is the Creator, okay? Everything was made in Him, to Him, through Him, and for Him. We've looked at that, and we looked at how... Paul has turned to point everybody to Jesus Christ as the, as the central aspect and the source of, of being, of life. He has pointed them to Christ being the way that they are filled in order to live by the resurrection power that Christ has so firmly displayed. That he goes and says that God made us alive together with christ having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands and in doing so christ disarmed the rulers and the authorities okay he goes on to say therefore do not let anyone pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a sabbath these are a shadow of the things to come but the substance belongs to christ so the Festivals and new moons and and Sabbaths were a shadow. They were a shadow that were belonging to the substance which cast the shadow. And now Paul is saying that we are to look to the shadow. That we are not to let anyone pass judgment on us. Whichever way we go about exercising our freedoms in food and drink. Festivals, new moons, or Sabbaths. And then he addresses another issue. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism, worship of angels, going on into detail about visions, puffed up, reason without reason by his sensuous mind. Paul is saying that we are found in Christ and Christ alone, and we're not to be judged by any other standard. And I walked through these, and we ended last week with moving from verse 23 into chapter 3. And verse 23 is crucial. It says... These, speaking of different types of self-regulation, he says, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. So Paul's saying that these regulations and these rules and these things that you set up as a a guardian or as a fence to keep you in, to stop. To stop the indulgence of the flesh, to kill the flesh, to kill sin, they don't work. Because they're outward, they're external. They're you willing and trying to be something that you need to be to be created to be. That you need to be uh, made into. You can't, a leopard can't change its spots. You can't conform to these things that you need something else to happen. You can try all of these things you want to, but they have no value in stopping the indulgence to the flesh. And so I asked the question last week, does that mean that we are free then just to do whatever we want? And we ended by saying, may it never be. First part of chapter three, it says, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above. We talked about that seeking, be setting our heart, our passions, our desires are to be the things above that we are to be transformed inside, that we would long for. And then we would set our mind on the things of Christ as well, who is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. And it says that you have died and your life is now hidden with, God, with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory, that Christ living in us is the hope of glory. And that the appearing there, while some take it to mean the second coming of Christ, and, and it could very well mean that I, I don't take that away from it, it would fit just fine. But I would at least incorporate an aspect of what he means is that Christ in his person appears in us. As he has already said in, earlier in the book, that the mystery is the, the, the glory of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Christ in us, the hope of glory. That as Christ manifests himself in us, as he transforms us to be conformed to the image of the Son, that we emulate and that we reflect the glory of God, and that he appears with us, and his glory is our glory. Paul teaches elsewhere in Romans that if we suffer with him, we'll also be glorified with him. Now we understand that there is a glorification to come, an ultimate glorification when we stand before God and we're transformed in the twinkling of an eye but there is a sense in which we are transformed now. That we are made alive now. Remember that made alive is an aorist tense. It's already happened that you are made alive. Ephesians says that you have been seated in the heavenly realm. Seated, past tense, that you're there Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, that that, that the Lord Jesus Christ is reigning on the throne now. His kingdom is now. And you, my friend, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, have been transformed, transferred out of the domain of darkness into the kingdom of the beloved Son. And you are a kingdom of priests, royal priesthood. And that you're ambassadors of Christ. And Christ is reigning and ruling on the earth now through you. Present tense now, he is ruling through you. And so he has appeared through you. And then the very last thing that we asked last week, because we've already looked at this idea that, in, in my opinion, okay, now I will say, and I don't have a ton of time to, to put this out there, but there's different views of how the Mosaic Law applies today. There, and there's a broad spectrum of it. There's, a spe- there's one sense in which the, some believe that the Mosaic Law is completely and utterly useless and that we should unhitch from the old testament we don't need to read it we don't need to know it we don't need to to uh, look at it to study it it's completely irrelevant to us in every way okay there is another group on the other end that would say that not only is the mosaic law code good and right and important but it's still applicable for all believers today and that we need to obey every command of the Old Testament and that we need to follow the Mosaic Law Code, that we're still in that law and that we need to follow it and that's the way that we can know we're pleasing God. Well, I don't agree with either one of those. I'm kind of in the middle, okay? So that's what I want to lay out for you today. I want to answer the question. Now, listen, go study for yourself. Those two Those two, uh Well, not those two, but that spectrum is you will have dispensational theology, you'll have uh, covenant theology, new covenant theology, covenantal uh, theonomy, which is this idea where the Mosaic law code is still the absolute law code, and to break any of those laws, as they're written in the Old Testament, is transgressing the law, and it is sin, okay? Okay. Study those things for yourself, lots of good teachers and lots of good things to learn from those systems and study them along with the scripture and see what you uh, understand the scripture to be teaching. I'm going to lay out for you today how I understand the Mosaic Law Code to apply to or not apply to the New Covenant believer. So we're going to understand these as two covenants. The old covenant under the Mosaic law code. The law code given to um, the nation of Israel who was set apart as God's people. Who was set apart uh, uh, under God's rule and under God's authority as God's chosen and distinct nation. And the new covenant which is ushered in by Jesus Christ and under better promises, we're told, in Hebrews chapter 8. And what I want to ask is, and, and I've already laid out this for you, so I don't need to spend much time on it, and it's okay to disagree here. Uh, there's freedom here, and we can still be brothers and sisters in Christ. Had good conversations, even with, with some of you. We're going to ask the question, what, is it, what does Hebrews 8 mean when it says is that the Old Covenant is now obsolete and what is obsolete is ready to vanish away what does it mean in romans 7 when paul says that that we were at one time uh in bondage to the law or uh in the law or under the law and those are written two different ways but that now he says whichever of those that we are released from the law and that we're no longer under the law and that we are coming in a new way no longer by the written code but by the new way of the Spirit. So the last question I asked last week, and we're going to get into the second part of Ephesians, or uh, Colossians 3. So here was the question as I laid it out. So, does the teaching of Paul on being dead to the law, his words, mean that we are free to sin? That's the real question, isn't it? That's the real question. And antinomians, which, is, which are those who are anti-law, nomos law antinomians would suggest that since christ has fulfilled the law there now is no law and you're free to do whatever you like there is no law to set your mind at ease that is not my position i'm not an antinomian the question is if we're dead to the law the mosaic law does that mean that we're free to sin is paul teaching of being released from the law romans 7 6 the law being abolished Ephesians 2:15 the law being obsolete Hebrews 8:13 the teaching that circumcision counts for nothing Ephesians 6:15 and even telling new uncircumcised believers not to seek circumcision 1 Corinthians 7:18 and 19 is this a lesser or more shadow, shallow view of holy living So I said before you, if we are still under the old covenant, if we are still bound to, to obey the Mosaic law code, if we're still in the law of the Mosaic law code, the Levitical law code, then I have no answer for how Paul would have said, as you have come, so remain. If any among you is circumcised, don't seek uncircumcision to be uncircumcised. If any among you, Be uncircumcised, do not seek circumcision. If we are still in the law, then Paul is telling them to break the law. So is it a lesser teaching? Is it a lesser standard of holiness? Is there less obligation? Which I don't like that word, but we're going to speak of uh, obligation through passion and love and obligation through make a distinction obligation through securing blessing okay do you you see the distinction into in both okay one is passionate loving pursuing one is fear and manipulation and um earning you see the difference in those okay so we're asking the question Is it lesser or a more shallow view of holy living to see us as completely released from the law, the Mosaic law code? Well, let's try to answer that question, and let me try to make my view clear. And then you can make your own judgment to whether or not uh, I'm right or I'm wrong, or maybe somewhere in the middle. So let's look at this. Paul says in verse 5, Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual morality and purity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Okay, that's verse 5. Now, remember, he had said before that all of these rules and saying, I'm not going to do this or I am going to do that, I'm going to do this. Is of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. But here in verse 5. Five verses later. He says put to death therefore. What is earthly. What is fleshly. What is of this realm. Put it to death. And what does he say? He, He uh He describes some of these things. He says, sexual morality and purity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. He goes on in verse 6 to say, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. And he lists some more. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices. You've put off the old self. Well, is, is Paul here seeming like he's saying, well, you don't have to worry about doing all of these things anymore. You don't have to worry about obedience anymore. You don't have to worry about following a, 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 a code of ethics. You don't have to worry about ethics at, all, ethics at all anymore. You don't have to worry about morality. You just do, what, do your thing, bro, right? Is that what he's saying or does he seem to be still suggesting that there's a holiness, that there is a, there is a righteousness, there is a, uh, there is a code that we are to follow, that there is a way that we are to live? Huh? I want you to notice something here. When he starts to describe what is earthly and the things that we are to put away, speaking to believers, and remember, he says, he starts this out, he starts this out, if then you have been raised with Christ, if you've been raised with Christ, and what were you dead to? You were dead to sin, dead to flesh. In, in many different places, Paul says we are, the old man is dead. The old self is dead who was bound up. And then he says, put to death, therefore. So since Christ is your life and that Christ lives in you and has, has, has freed you from your uh, from your sin, from your flesh, from what is earthly, therefore you can do this. You can put to death these things. I want you to notice something about the things that were put to death. Sexual morality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness. What do you notice? What do you notice about these? Things of the flesh, self-serving. What? Self, what? What do you say? It's part of the Mosaic law, but something else jumps out at me. Is it, is, are these things written this way in the Mosaic law? You can find these things for sure in the Mosaic law. Absolutely, every single one of them. But what sets it apart from the Mosaic law? What's the difference? Is it specific acts outlined that you would do with your hands? Or is it more of a heart matter? Now, the Mosaic law was very specific in how it was laid out in nearly every instance. 613 laws, maybe more, maybe less, depending on how you broke some of them up. very specific in many instances. The type of clothes you wore. How many many different types of thread. The types of food you ate. The types of things you did the the drinks the way that you would celebrate all of these different things different laws about where you lived and how you lived and how you built your house i want you to notice notice here that when he says sexual morality what is he doing he's taking it all When he says impurity, the man could, anybody could look at him and say, well, what does that mean? See, some are afraid that people like me, that believe like me, are, the fear is, is that we've over-spiritualized it. And I get that. But I don't know what to do other than to do what the Scripture does And what Paul himself does when he takes it to a spiritual level. He says, but now, and this is Romans 7, 6, but now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in a new way of the Spirit, and not in the old way of the written code. I know it's scary to trust the Spirit to lead a person into holiness. But I don't know where else to go. So what do you notice? These all address the internal being of a man and not merely the specific actions committed by the man. Is this less holiness than the mosaic or any other form of self-control and holiness? Is this less or is it more? I want to take you to Matthew chapter 5 we were going to do this last week and we ran out of time and by the way I want to lay this out just as clear as I could possibly be I'm not an antinomian I am not one who believes that now that Christ has come you're free to do whatever you want you can just break all the mosaic law we're not we're not looking at that junk anymore that is not my position I hope that comes clear today this is my position That while the Mosaic law code was given to a certain people in a certain time for a certain purpose. To set those people apart and to hold them and lead them to the substance of what they shadowed. That it did in a small part, perfect as it was, it couldn't do what the substance would do. For it was weakened by the flesh. But the law, as good as it was, was for a specific people, a nation. In a specific time, in a specific place. And that Christ has taken this law, fulfilled it, and expanded it out to the whole world. And so Christ looks at the Mosaic law and says, oh, that's good. I'm going to fulfill that and every principle that it held as well. And now the Mosaic law code has been taken and fulfilled by christ and we are now under a new administration under a new covenant the bible would say and that the mosaic law code is fulfilled it's obsolete because christ has fulfilled it and done what it couldn't do and he's become cross-cultural no longer is christ about a nation no longer is the word of god about a nation but it is about a world and the Mosaic law fulfilled in Christ expands and covers the globe in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to suggest that the law of Christ, which is distinct from the law of Moses, is deeper, bigger, broader, better, and wider than the law of Moses. Look at Matthew chapter 5. Look, we're going to start in verse 17. And I need to move, but we need to do this. Do not think, this is Christ speaking, Matthew five seventeen. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Do not think that I came to abolish the law or the prophets. That's going to be a big thing here in just a second. The law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. Now, there's three different views on this. Well, three main different views. One is, is that it's it's just not accomplished. Okay? That we're not, the, the, the work that is spoken of here is not accomplished yet. And so the Mosaic Law Code is still in full effect. Okay? That's one interpretation. All right? The second interpretation is that it's not accomplished yet but that the Mosaic Law Code is not what's being referred to but the Mosaic Law Code being fulfilled by Christ and the law of Christ being established and being the law code, the the fulfillment until the day that Christ returns. Do you see the difference? So one is, is that it's not accomplished yet and, and the Mosaic law will last until the coming of Christ. The second is is that the Mosaic law is fulfilled, and that what he's talking about not being abolished is the law of Christ that will last until the second coming of Christ. And then the third is, is that he says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law of the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot will pass from the law until all is accomplished. The third is that it's been accomplished. And that it's speaking not of the law of Christ, but the law of Moses. And that the work that Christ was doing to fulfill the law was accomplished at the cross, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now the Mosaic law has been made obsolete. You can make your judgment on which one of those you would like to uh, hold on to. I'll tell you the one that I hold to is the third. I hold this for many different reasons. Not one uh, more clear than Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14 and 15. For he himself is our peace who has made us both one. And has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. By abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances. That he might create in himself one new man. In place of the two. So making peace. Christ did not come to abolish the law. But to fulfill the law. And that it wouldn't go away. It wouldn't become obsolete. It wouldn't be abolished. Until everything was accomplished. And upon crying on the cross it is finished. He showed the accomplished work of God through Christ. And by doing so has abolished the law in written ordinances. Now has he abolished all law? May it never be. But the law of Christ is now in its place. There is a new covenant. He goes on to say. Put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Put on the new self. Put on the new self which is being renewed in the knowledge, in knowledge after the image of its creator. Okay, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break this down into two ways here and just follow with me. What I want to do is, I want to, I want to define the law of Christ, okay. And after that, I want to take and show you how the law of Christ is multi or cross cultural. So the idea here is, is that, and, and I and this can this can oftentimes come across as an attack on the Mosaic law, but it's not. The Mosaic law code was perfect. But the imperfection of the man made the the Mosaic law code a ministry of death. That's the way Paul describes it. And that it was no good because of the promises that it was enacted on, that as long as Israel obeyed, then they would be God's people. But they failed. And only one man, only one God-man ever, ever fulfilled all the obligations of the law and became true Israel. And through Christ, who is true Israel, was birthed a new nation that would expand across the globe. And the promises of Abraham were sure in Christ. That he would make him the father of a multitude of nations. Well, let's define what the law of Christ is then. And as I was studying this, I had lots of help. I can't even name all the people, but I will give credit to one guy. He doesn't know I exist, but uh, he was... Very instrumental in, in me understanding this, or at least being able to put it into these terms. His name is Blake White. You've probably never heard of him before. He's not a big name. But if you want to see, I, I'm a New Covenant theologian, okay? That's, that's where I stand, okay? You want to look it up, that's fine. I don't have time to describe that here. We can talk later. But my understanding is, is that we're freed and released from the Mosaic Law Code. that have been fulfilled in Christ. And as Christ comes in and dwells in every believer, that they are a fulfillment of the Mosaic law law code in their person because of the righteousness and the fulfillment that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. And that the law of Christ is not just the Mosaic law code, but it's deeper, bigger, fuller, and better. And it leads to actual holiness and not to death. Okay, so what is the law of Christ? Okay, you might want to write this down. It's Christ. (laughs) I'm not kidding. (laughs) The law of Christ is Christ. Okay? Christ is all. Now, we're going to break that down and define that because that might not be quite as applicable as I would like. But I do not want to go too far. You say, Brandon, you're over-spiritualizing. I don't know how else to do it. No man can come by the will of the flesh or the will of the mind but by God. The Holy Spirit in you is the only hope that you have of sin dying, the flesh dying and the new man thriving. It's the only hope you have. Now do we throw out all text and all written scripture You say, well you're nullifying the entire Bible, at least half of it. No, I'm not. So I would say the first part Of the law of Christ is Christ himself. Okay? Christ himself is the first part of the law of Christ. Everybody say amen. Christ in himself. What does that look like? First or second, his love. The law of Christ is Christ himself and it is his love. Now, I shouldn't have to spend a lot of time here because surely we all agree that love is the greatest fulfillment of every command. But so that you can see, I will point out to you Romans chapter 13. If you want to turn there with me, it's going to be a Bible drill. We're going to roll Romans chapter 13. Verses eight through ten says this O no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments you shall not commit murder, you shall not you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. But is this some type of cultural love? Is this some type of idea of romanticism? You know, this is Valentine's Day. You know what I'm saying? Uh, I, I brought my wife some flowers this morning and even better than that, some Starbucks, right? I did good, right? I love her. But is that the type of love? And that can be an expression of that love. But listen to Mark chapter 12, verses 28 through 31. They read this way. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another and seeing that he answered them, Well, ask him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. In Matthew 22, 34 through 40, I wanted to read uh, Mark, the Mark text first because I want to show you something in Matthew chapter 22. Matthew 22, if you want to turn there with me, verses 34 through 40. Matthew 22, 34 through 40. Read this way. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. Hold on to that for a second. All the law and the prophets. You see it's not just that we, that we love each other. It's not just that we uh, 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 show kindness or this type of love. But we understand what love is from First John chapter 4 verse 10. And First John chapter 4 verse 10 tells us this. Says that beloved if God so loved us. Up, oh, that's chapter, 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 4, verse 10. Did you read this this morning? I, I heard that and I was like, bro. In, verse 10: In this is love, not that we have loved God. But that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. What is love? This is love that God has set forth his son to be the propitiation for our sins. This type of self-sacrificial love is found in one place, in one place alone. And that is Christ. That Christ is all. Or that Christ is love. And Christ in you is the hope of glory that the love of christ may abide in you and we could go on and on and on in first john second john third john by this we know that we have come to know him if we love one another that we are to love one another as christ has loved us it doesn't take much more evidence but that the law of christ is summed up the law of god is summed up in this to love the lord your god with all your heart with all your mind with all your soul and all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself but that is an impossibility outside of the lord jesus christ and the spirit of god that dwells inside of you leading you to that place well we understand it to be christ himself we understand it to be his love we understand it also to be the reflection of the image of Christ it is the example of Christ the law of Christ is that we reflect Christ back to creation That everything that Christ was, his example, the things that he did, the way that he spoke, the way that he walked, the way that he loved, the way that he gave, the way that he sacrificed, everything that Christ is and everything that he has done is to be emulated by us. This is the purpose of why you were brought into relationship with God. Romans 8 tells us that those who he foreknew, he also predestined. Those whom he predestined, he also called those who he called. He also, what? That he's conforming them to the image of his son. To be conformed to the image of Christ is to be following the law of God. We are to follow Christ's example. Fourthly, it is the instructions of Christ. So this would be all of the teaching that the Lord Jesus Christ laid out. All of the places where Jesus Christ told a parable. All the places where Jesus Christ taught about the Mosaic Law. All the places that Jesus Christ taught about the love of God and and the Holy Spirit. The places that he taught about his kingdom. The places that he taught about uh, what would happen when we die. The places he talked about how we are to come into relationship with him. All of these things are the law of Christ. Everything that Jesus Christ taught us in the New Testament is the law that we are to live by, for it is Christ's teaching centered on the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I don't think that I have to push that very far. I, I hope that most of us would uh, agree to that and say amen, that the things that Jesus Christ taught are, is a law for us to live by. But I'll give you one. John chapter 7. This is, these are pretty fun to read anyway. These are amazing to see Jesus Christ interacting with the Pharisees and, and so on. But listen to what it says here. About the middle of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and began teaching. The Jews therefore marveled, saying, How is it that this man has learning when, when he has never studied? So Jesus answered them, My teaching is not mine, but his who sent me. If anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I'm speaking on my own authority. You see, Jesus Christ is saying that this is a heavenly teaching. It's not from this realm. It's from another realm, that it's from God. Later down in the, in the uh, Scripture, in verses, verse 46, he says this, verse 45, The officers then came to the chief priests and Pharisees who said to them, Why did you not bring him? The officers answered, no one ever spoke like this man. (laughs) No one ever spoke like this man. It happened all the time. That Christ spoke with authority. He taught on a level that no one had ever seen before. The teaching was divine. And out of this has arisen uh, many problems too. You have red letter Christians. Who's ever heard of a red letter Christian? Red-letter Christians are those who believe only the letters of Jesus Christ, uh, like the, the actual words of Jesus, are the only ones that's important, or the only ones that's inspired by God. But we don't hold to that, do we? No. Rather, uh, which leads me to the fourth, are the standards... Taught by Christ's apostles. Basically, the New Testament. So you have Christ Himself is the standard, He is the law code, He is the new sheriff in town. Okay? Hebrews helps us to see this the transition from one covenant to another covenant and he says that while moses is great that christ is greater as the builder of the house is greater than the house that the covenant established by christ is a better covenant built on better promises which is the same chapter in which he goes on to say that that which was formerly there is obsolete and passing away Christ is the administrator of the new covenant, and we observe the law of Christ. That law of Christ is known by and defined by love, and not just any love, but it's His love, and it's also the example set by Christ and that we are to reflect or to be a reflection of the image of Christ. And it's also found in the instructions, the teaching of the Lord Jesus Christ himself, as he taught on each topic and each subject as he lived out his 33 years here on the earth. But then we also understand it to be the, the standard set forth or taught by Christ's apostles, the teaching of the apostles. In, in Acts chapter 2, it says that they devoted themselves to the teachings, to the apostles' teaching. Day and night, they were searching out the apostles' teaching. They were looking for what the apostles were teaching. God had given great insight. Christ had given great insight to the apostles. And the words that they spoke were the words of God, canonized. They were inspired. 2 Timothy 3.16 says that all Scripture is breathed out by God. Now, we'll get to that here in just a second. I want to touch on a little bit more. But we understand that the, the, the apostles were speaking on behalf of God, that God was carrying them along by the power of the Holy Spirit. And the way that the, the, the apostles taught, the, the words that they used were authoritative words that were, be, were to be taken as the very words of God or Christ himself. So the law of Christ is every word spoken by the apostles and the teaching therein. And last but certainly not least is the entire Bible with a clarification. The entire Bible in light of The Messiah. Christ. So we have Christ Himself, who is the law, defined by love, which is the greatest commandment, which is God sending His Son. The example set forth by Christ, and we're to reflect his image, the instructions of Christ, his teachings, the standards taught or set forth by the apostles, the teachings of the apostles, and the entire Bible in the light of the Messiah who has come, Christ Jesus the Lord. Here's where we meet our messianic friends, our friends who love the Mosaic law, and I say, Amen. But I want to grab them and hug them and say, I'm not preaching a less view of Moses, but I'm preaching a greater view. For Christ expands the law that was given to Israel in one place and one time. And he expands it to cover all cultures in all times and all ways by the power of the gospel. Now I want to spend a second uh, speaking on the teachings of all scripture or the entire Bible in lot of the Messiah now this is actually a hermeneutic okay you say a who? and I, I I catch flack all the time for using bigger words but how many of you know what that word is because I've used it before come on get your hands way up I want to know how many of you heard that word before and people say you shouldn't use those big words but if you don't ever use the big words then nobody ever knows the big words and then we just can't we can't talk about the big word well I want to talk about hermeneutics for a second and hermeneutics is very simple. It is a big word, and I, and I wouldn't use it, but I don't know what other word to use. That's the word that means what it means, right? Hermeneutics is, the, is the, the art of interpreting Scripture. Okay? Very simple. Everybody has a hermeneutic, whether you didn't even know what that word was or not. Everybody has one. Right? Don't start checking your pockets. Everybody has a hermeneutic, and that is when you read Scripture... You're reading it through some type of lens. You're reading it with some type of preconceived notions of what it should be saying. Okay? We all have it. Right? We all have them. Mine might be one thing. Yours might be another thing. What I want to set forth before you is the thing I think it should be. Okay? What should define your hermeneutic? Well, I want to take you to a couple of places. And I want, I want to give you a reminder, and then I want to take you to a place. So turn back with me to Matthew chapter 22. Matthew ch- 22, verses 34 through 39. Okay, so Jesus says in Matthew 22, 37... we'll, We'll read what the Pharisees were coming at him with. Verse 34. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, what is the great commandment in the law? He's saying, Jesus, what's the great commandment in the law of Moses? Okay, In the Torah. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now, check this out. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. All of the law and all of the prophets depend on the love that you have for God and neighbor, which we've already established is only possible through who? Christ. You see, many think that when you make a distinction between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant, that these are two different ways of doing things. And they say, well, in the Old Covenant, we came to God through the law. But now we come to God through Christ. Absolutely not. No one has ever come to the Lord through the law. Ever. Not in the old covenant. Not in the new covenant. Not at any other time. No one has ever been made right with God through the law. The blood of bulls and goats is unable to cleanse. All of these were shadows pointing to the one that would cleanse them and would lead them to a place that they could have relationship with God. It is in the fulfillment of the scriptures and of the law that we find peace with God. But hold on to that for a second. It says on these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets, the law and the prophets. Look over with me to Luke chapter 24. Now, you remember what we're talking about here. We're talking about the law of Christ. We're talking about what the law of Christ is. Paul says we're no longer under the law as it is written, the Mosaic Code, but we are under the law of grace. We're under the law of Christ. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 that that. For those who were under the law, I became as one under the law, not being under the law myself. For those who are outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law myself, but being in the law of Christ. What is the law of Christ? It is Christ himself. It is love. When we get down, we say it's the entire Bible in light of the Messiah, Christ. And Christ has talked to us about the entire Bible. As the Pharisees questioned him, they said, what is the greatest commandment? He says the greatest commandment is love your Lord with all your, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the first commandment, and on this commandment depends all of the law and the prophets. And then look at, look at what he says to these in chapter 24 of Luke. Luke 24, verse 25 and 26 and 27. And he said to them, O foolish ones and slow to heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses, who is the representative of the law, the law, and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scripture the things concerning himself (laughs) they asked the Lord Jesus Christ which is the greatest commandment to love the Lord your God and to love your neighbor as yourself and everything in the law and the prophets depend on this later on in Luke he says And beginning with the law and all the prophets. Moses and the prophets. He interpreted them all. He interpreted them in all the scriptures. The things concerning himself. That Jesus Christ. Is what the law depends on. Jesus Christ. Is the love. That the law depends on. That Christ is the law. And those who are in Christ have fulfilled the law well let's look at john chapter 5 i want to get to the point of and i'm running out of time i want to get to the point of what about the specifics of the mosaic law but john 5 39 for one more point on this of all the teachings and your hermeneutic okay so i told you that everybody has a hermeneutic and really it's just the lens through which you read the scripture okay Your lens should be Jesus Christ and the new covenant. See, many people want to read the old covenant, and they say, okay, well, this is what it is. And then they come to the new covenant, and they say, well, I already decided what this is based on my reading of the old covenant. I've already decided that this is what we have to do to please God. Then I come to the new covenant, and I say, well, I already know that's here, so I've got to read my new covenant With the understanding that I have from the Old Covenant. So you're reading the the New Covenant through the lens of the Old Covenant. Okay? But Christ says no. Christ says that we are to read the Old Covenant through the lens of the New Covenant. That we understand. Now, we need historical context. There was a way in which the Israelites understood the Old Covenant. We need historical context. But what we need is enlightenment. And that while there was great misunderstanding of the Old Covenant, the Pharisees, many of them had it wrong. The Sadducees had it wrong. The apostles had it wrong. Until Christ revealed to them what it actually taught. And so in order to understand the Old, we never unhitch from the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, the the Scripture. No. They are inspired by God and they're good for teaching and training and righteousness and rebuke. No, we love them, but we read them through a new covenant lens. Which is what Christ teaches us. John 5, 39. John five thirty nine says this. Speaking to the Pharisees and speaking to those who were listening, he says, You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. You see, they had built this this grand scheme of obeying all of these laws and all of these rules and all of these things. They said, yeah, we're God's people. Look, we have obeyed the law, the Mosaic Law Code. And they hadn't. But they had had done all of these things. They thought that they had done all of these things. And Jesus is like, you don't understand. You, You don't. You don't get right with God by keeping these things. You get right with God through faith. You understand that these all point you to me. And apart from me, you can do nothing. I am life is what Christ says. And through me and me alone will you experience life. Okay, so. Christ is the greater Moses. Christ is cross-cultural. Christ is the law. We proclaim that Christ is all. Christ is all. Okay, so what about, okay, so we still have this question out there, right? Say, so I've taught now that the law of Christ is what we are under. The Bible says we're under the law of Christ. Paul says of himself, I am un, not, not as if I'm one outside the law, but I'm under the law of Christ. What is this law of Christ? It is Christ himself. It is his being, Christ in us. It is His love. It is the reflection of His image. Christ is the example. And we are to walk in Him. Walking outside of Him is sin. It's breaking the law of Christ. It is the instructions of Christ, the teachings of Christ Himself explicitly written in the New Testament. The scriptures that... Uh, are in red letters the teachings of Jesus Christ to break those is to break the law of Christ it's to sin it's the standards taught by Christ's apostles all of the New Testament all of the teachings set forth by those who have been sent by Christ with authority as ambassadors of Christ and the way that they unfolded the scriptures and unpacked the scriptures for us to understand and for us to apply to our lives that we are to walk in accordance with those we are under that law the law of Christ and then we understand it's the entire Bible in light of the come Messiah the Messiah who's already come the messiah who came to fulfill the mosaic law code and establish a new regime establish a new administration a new covenant based on new promises the old one is gone it's vanished away it's obsolete and we're under the law of christ now which is bigger better broader and deeper so what does that mean as we reflect upon the old covenant what is it good for the mosaic law well i say unto you that it is good That it is wonderful and we can still glean wisdom from the Mosaic law code. And I'll I'll take you to Matthew chapter 5 to show you that. Matthew chapter 5. We're going back to where we were previously. So here's what I would say. That those who seek. Those who seek to obey the rules will always become rule breakers. But those who are fulfilled in Christ will truly become kingdom makers. You see, Christ's rule, His administration, if you want to use that language, His new covenant, His people, are no longer contained in a ethnocentric nation of Israelites. But it is expanded to include all nations in all corners of the world. He says, go therefore into all nations, making disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That Christ's law, Christ's reign, Christ's administration is broader than the Mosaic law code. Now, I, ho- I hope this comes across clear, but let me just, okay, let me, let me show you that Christ's law goes deeper than the Mosaic law. I'll show you that. Okay. Well, let me, okay, so this is kind of tricky language right here. I want you to watch this. If the Mosaic law code is perfect, then... I don't want you to hear me saying that Christ changed it. Okay? No. He fulfilled it. Okay? There's a difference. And what I'm going to suggest to you is that when we read the Mosaic Law Code, it's good, right, and holy, but that it points to something bigger and better and deeper. And the Scripture is as clear more so so we understand that jesus christ is the fulfillment of the law and when jesus starts to teach about the mosaic law after he had said i had not come to to abolish the law or the prophets i've not come to abolish them but to fulfill them that's matthew 5 17 he goes on to address their understanding of the law and what it taught. OK? Now listen to what he says in verse 21, and I'm going to kind of skip over, but we're going to go through the rest of chapter five in, in sections, okay? Because he just starts to teach on different aspects of the law. He says, "You have heard that it was said to those of old, "You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment." Now I want you to notice a couple of things. He says, "You have heard." OK? He's not saying it is written. He's saying you have heard. So what is he addressing? He's addressing their understanding of the Mosaic law code. He's addressing their attempt to follow the Mosaic law code in order to gain favor with God. So that's what he's addressing here. He says, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, That everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to counsel. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Now, some suggest that he's not even addressing the law because he's addressing their understanding of the law. Well, I acknowledge that he's addressing their understanding of the law, but he still goes beyond the law. Because the Bible taught in Exodus, thou shalt not commit murder. And it speaks of this type of thing throughout. But this goes back to exactly what I was talking about earlier. Is that Jesus Christ takes a specific instance of sin. Thou shalt not murder. And he goes, listen, you read that and you heard this. That I can't stick a knife in Robert's throat. Sorry, and I didn't mean to... I'm not going to do it, bro. I was just using that as an example. (laughs) You know, you read this and you you heard, you know, don't shoot people with AK-47s. Although the Jews wouldn't have heard that. They didn't know what an AK-47 was. But Jesus is saying that it's not really about not murdering someone. What is it about? It's about dying for someone. What? Well, where'd you get that from, Brenna? Well, well, hold on. What do you mean? You've heard it said, thou shalt not commit murder. But I say unto you, I say unto you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable for judgment. If you even get angry with your brother. So, so what is it not to be angry with your brother? It's to love. It's to give. It's to lay down your own life. Your own selfish desires is to die to self. Jesus Christ takes it from an outward expression of not taking the life from someone. To actually counting them more worthy of life than yourself. Which is what, who did? (laughs) Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law. He is all. Christ is the law. Well, lust. You have heard that it was said you shall not. So, let's go back. Okay, so. Okay, now, I have, been, I have been accused of making little of the Mosaic Law. Oh, no, 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 don't put that shoe on me, it don't fit. What I say is the Mosaic Law code was perfect, you shouldn't kill people. But the law of Christ is better, that you should be willing to die for people. It's not less, it's more, more, bigger. Lust. You have heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. Is that written? Yeah. You shall not commit adultery, right? Okay. But I say to you, that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery with her in his heart. You bunch of adulterous pervs out there. Every one of you, you remember when... um, you remember when, um, oh Lord, it just slipped my mind. The vice president for Trump, Pence. You remember when Pence was like, he was like, yeah. He's like, I've committed adultery on my wife because I've looked on a woman with lust. <laughs> y'all remember that? And the secular media was like, adulterer! And he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. It's a teaching in the Bible that you, it's a heart thing, it's a heart issue. Remember that? Uh, y'all might not remember that, but I thought it was kind of funny. But he makes a good point. So the Old Covenant would say, don't lay down and have sex with another woman. But Jesus says, don't even look at her. You only have eyes for your wife. So where the Old Covenant would say, don't have sex with somebody other than your wife or somebody else's wife. Jesus would go on to say that you should have eyes only for Christ, for God, for your wife. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. That's not literal, by the way. Another hermeneutical principle that we need to allow for uh, this type of language. If your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than your whole body be thrown into hell. Jesus is like, yeah, you've seen it written, you've heard it said, and he even quotes the scripture, you shall not commit adultery. But I'm telling you that it's so much bigger than that. That not only should you not lust over or, or not sleep with another woman or whatever, that you should not even look on her with lust. That you should be so committed to your bride that you would rather die or tear your body apart. Who, whose body was tore apart for his cheating bride? Oh, Christ is all Ah, Christ is all Christ is all whose body was torn apart because he was so committed to his bride Christ is all it was also said verse 31 whoever divorces his wife let him give her a certificate of divorce but I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife except on grounds of sexual morality makes her commit adultery and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery Jesus says that you've seen it written, you've heard it said, I'm sorry. It was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. So there's a, there's a way out, you know, needs a certificate. But I say to you, everyone who divorces his wife, except on the grounds of sexual morality, makes her commit adultery. Jesus Christ says that you should be so committed that, nearly, that you should be able to stick through nearly anything. It doesn't matter. No certificate of divorce that she has to leave you. He has to completely and utterly abandon a covenant and leave you. Committing adultery on you. Jesus Christ goes a step further in Ephesians. That he loved his cry, his cheating bride so much that he laid his life down for her. Refusing to leave her even though she did play the prostitute. We could go on and on and on and on and on. That Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of the law. That Jesus Christ is the law. And that Jesus Christ is not less than Moses but greater. I'll show you a couple of other things. And just a couple of other ways that I see this as as applying now it since it's cross-cultural and i'm going to see if i can i to do another one of these since it's cross-cultural the law of christ reaches into every culture so you have israel uh, america rome whatever you could put you know africa new zealand whatever you want to the law of christ is cross-cultural cross-cultural and able to invade every culture and meet those people where they are it's broader than the mosaic covenant so Okay, so this is what I think Paul is teaching. I'm and I'm about done. I know this is I know this is deep and I know some of you are just bored, you know, whatever. I don't really care. This is God's word, but what I'm saying is is that this is really important stuff because we need to know what to obey, right? We need to we need to know what so are we obligated to keep all 613 laws in the Old Testament or are some of those still good and not all of them still good or none of them still good? Okay, so go back to what I taught you in, in the law of Christ and what the law of Christ is, and remember that last one where the law of Christ includes the teaching of the entire Bible through the lens of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, will they be? Will, will there be aspects of the Mosaic Law that still apply to your life? Yeah, and even in a greater way, and all of the Mosaic Law principles still apply. They're fulfilled in Christ. The the specific. But the heart is in Christ as well. So all of the principles still apply. And they're a great guide for us. But, it's, but here's the way it works. Is that, Mo, that Moses was the administrator of the old covenant. And with Moses... Uh, the passing away of the old covenant comes the new covenant which swallows up and fulfills the old covenant and now the fulfillment of the law is in christ the administrator of the new covenant which is bigger and built on better promises so now it can even include israel and and they can still observe Many of the things of the old covenant, because there's still room inside the cross cultural gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that is multicultural. I'll give you a couple of examples. Look at me, look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 7. This, this teaching, I cannot get away from. I've heard all the, co- well, not all, but I've heard tons of covenantal arguments. I've heard tons of theonomist arguments. I cannot get away from this teaching. And Romans 14, the whole thing is about this. So I I have something to say. So you're telling people that they can't observe the Mosaic Law? Absolutely not. Here's what I would say. In Christ, you're free. Paul says it this way. I'm free to do all things. How can he say that? He says, I'm free to do all things, but not all things are beneficial to me. Therefore, and he goes on to describe how he decides what he will do and won't do, what freedoms he will exercise. He has the right to eat or drink or whatever he wants to do, but if it's going to cause one of his brothers to stumble, then he doesn't. If he wants to circumcise Titus, he can. If he wants to tell unbelievers, don't get circumcised, he can. Why? Because the gospel is able to penetrate every single culture, and it does not demand that another culture obey the cultural laws of the Mosaic law and for Israel in that time and in that place. But all of the principles... Of why that law was there do apply because they're absorbed in the law of Christ. And now they go further, farther, deeper, and they're better. Does this make any sense? Well, okay, so this is scripture here. Um, We'll probably go to Romans 7 too. It's raining outside, you ain't got nowhere to go. (laughs) All right, so 1 Corinthians chapter 7, listen to what he teaches. Now, this is just the Bible, I don't know how to get away from it, okay? Only let each person lead the life that the Lord has assigned to him and to which God has called him. This is my rule in all the churches. Was anyone at the time of his call already circumcised? Let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. Now, I don't know how you do that. Like, you may sew sew that back on. I don't really know how that works. But I want you to remember that word right there, though, marks, okay, marks. Hey, if those Kidwell guys just get tired, just tell them to bring those kids in here. We're going to be here for a minute, all right? So the marks of circumcision. Remember the word marks, okay? He says, let him not seek to remove the marks of circumcision. But listen to this. This is coming from a Jew, a Pharisee of Pharisees, one who knew the law, front, back, back and forth, left to right, and right to left. Was anyone at the time of his call uncircumcised? Let him not seek circumcision. For neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision, but keeping the commandments of God. What? You say, Paul, I thought circumcision was the commandments of God. Not in the new covenant. Where's the distinction? How do you explain? For neither circumcision counts for anything. Now, if you want to observe circumcision because, you know, you think it has, health benefits you think it has these other things or just because your conscience is bound that's fine Romans 14 gets room for that but if you think that circumcision and obeying the law gains you anything then you're sadly mistaken let him not seek circumcision for neither circumcision counts for anything nor uncircumcision but keeping the commandments of God what are the commandments of God the law of Christ you say, well, what about circumcision? You remember in Colossians what we taught, what we saw? Turn there with me. You say, what about circumcision? Colossians teaches us all about what circumcision was for. Circumcision was a shadow that pointed forward to what? It pointed forward to what would happen in the believer. So look at what, what we find in Verse 6 of Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in the thanksgiving. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and into deceit, according to the human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity uh, dwells bodily. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands. Why should the one who's not circumcised not seek circumcision? Because in Christ he's already been circumcised and not with the circumcision of hands in a shadowy way, but in the true nature of the circumcision of the heart, the removal of the heart of stone, and the replacement with the heart of flesh. You see, he doesn't have to observe circumcision, not because circumcision doesn't matter, but because what circumcision was pointed to is here, and he's done the ultimate circumcision. It's not that he is denying the law of Moses, but he is doing what the law of Moses pointed to. So he is doing, the, he is doing more than just a specific act of the removal of the flesh in the mosaic law code he's actually doing what it was pointed to same thing with festivals new moons sabbaths christ is the substance to 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 which these things pointed that christ is all christ is all well i could go on forever um i really could i've got i've got like four more pages but I'll, I'll read you a poem that the Lord, who's like saying, oh no, that's not right. <laughs> Ezekiel, you're supposed to be my ally, bro. Okay, well, I'm just going to read you this poem that the Lord laid on my heart last night. And we're going to, if you want, guys want to come up. Well, uh, I know that much discussion will come out of here. But I pray that uh, you see that I don't see The law of Christ is less impactful or less stringent than the law of Moses. I see it as far, far more. And I hope that you can see the aspect of to require someone or to suggest that someone is in sin when they don't observe the national laws of of the Mosaic Law Code is to try to make someone national Israel instead of the kingdom of God. That the principles that were built upon for the Mosaic Law Code are now found in Christ and is multicultural. So that you can see Paul saying that if something's sacrificed to idols, we know the truth in Christ. You can eat it or not. He says, says, some see one day as being uh, holy some see multiple days some believes they can't eat some some believes they they can't the law is love don't cause your brother to stumble he said he says i'd rather forfeit every right i have to eat meat or drink wine or do anything than cause my brother to stumble love is the number one command and love is christ do you love christ are you filled with the holy spirit are you walking in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called See, you may even be able to look at the Decalogue. You may be able to look at the Ten Commandments and be able to say, oh, yeah, I'm doing pretty good. I haven't killed anybody. I don't, I don't covet my neighbor's stuff. I, don't, I haven't committed adultery. I've never slept with anyone that wasn't my husband or wife. But have you ever looked on someone with lust? Is your heart right? Are you transformed by the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you affected internally by the word of the living God? And when you look back through the new covenant lens, through the lens of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you see all those commands, see, you could read through Leviticus and about the different fabrics and about building the thing around the top of your house so somebody don't fall off. And you'd be like, well, none of this applies to me. But if you understand that the principles apply to you, that you need to protect your neighbor, that you need to be distinct from them, that you need to be set apart, that you need to be holy, that you need to be clean, that you need to be sanctified that you need to be justified that you see that every single one of those laws all it does is say look to christ look to christ look to christ look to christ that christ is your righteousness let's all stand on our feet O lord upon the blessed name of christ i call not part not peace nor half payment did fall but the sum total of righteousness christ is all For the joy set before him, he endured the nail, not to gain grasp of the glory he had previously held, but to complete the journey of my faith so well. This master has dawned, a new day has arrived. From glory he came, and to glory he cried. The truth remains clear, for the sheep he was tried. Not a thing left undone, no need to complete. Come and bow at the beautiful feet. Rest, young sh- soldier. Your work is done. Everything you need, you will find in the sun. As you press onward and upward, remember the call. Not a step shall be taken, lest Christ be your all. Christ and Christ alone. You remember that mark I told you of circumcision. Go and read Galatians chapter six today. Paul tells us how to fulfill the law of Christ and galatians chapter 6 so here's the sum total of the law and how you can fulfill it brothers if anyone is caught in any transgression you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness keep watch on yourself lest you be tempted to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of christ he goes on to say and this is beautiful he says from now he says later on he says For neither circumcision counts for anything, nor uncircumcision, but a new creation. And as for all who walk by this rule, peace and mercy upon them and upon the Israel of God. The Israel of God. He says, from now on, let no one cause me trouble. For I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus. What are the brand marks of Jesus? There's been several different suggestions of what it could be. I tend to think it's probably the lashes and the scars. And the tenderized meat upon his back when he pulled off his shirt, the scars from the whippings and the brutal beatings and the stonings would have been the brand marks of Christ. You know why I think that? Because. It would have been the marks that he bore from bearing the burdens of his brothers. It was for the sake of the gospel and the sake of his brothers that he was beaten, that he was battered, that he was bruised, that he was imprisoned. Lashes upon lashes. And Paul says, I don't need the marks of circumcision. I bear on my body the brand marks of Jesus Christ. And what do we know is the ultimate example of bearing another's burden by his stripes we are healed Christ is all and in all respond to him